0: This is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Thursday, December 4th. This is episode 104 of the Survival Podcast, and dictated as almost always during my 50 mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Well, folks, uh, the sun is shining. It is a beautiful bluebird day, as we used to call it back when I was a kid. And uh, even though it's a beautiful bluebird day, and even though I'm in sunny Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, it's 35 degrees. So I didn't even get a chance to check on the uh, the spinach and the broccoli and everything that I had in the bed last night. Uh, I hope that it all made it through. It probably did. Uh, if I lost anything, it's probably some of the small lettuce plants that aren't that big yet. Uh, but I think everything will be okay and there's plenty of stuff with greenhouse uh, so there's the weather slash garden report uh, we're going to get right into things today uh, no house cleaning nothing like that other than I'm going to remind you real quick on the listener appreciation contest tomorrow I'm giving out another gun safe I'm giving out a single point sling and I will give out whatever we have left of the tactical stockings I'm not sure how many that is it might be three or four uh Uh, so many prizes, including an in-car gun safe to be given out tomorrow. Um, I don't have the name of the winners from last week in front of me. I forgot to do that for you guys. Um, I'll try to put together a thread in the form. Maybe I can list everybody that's won so far. Uh, But Chris, no, whoever you are, you never got back to me. You never claimed your gun safe. And another gentleman, whose first name just happened to be Chris, uh, ended up, and I don't remember his last name now, but he ended up being uh, number 60 in the response. And when I got Response from number 40. I just jumped at the 60, picked a guy. Uh, he responded, claimed his prize, so that's been sent off to Center of Mass Products. Uh, and Chris, they will ship you one of the in car gun safes, and I know you will enjoy it. Um, silver bar and everything else being mailed out by my wife tomorrow. So those folks that won that, uh, that did not go out in this weekend's mailing. I apologize. And the people from the week before, you should probably have your stuff by today. Um, your stuff went out over the weekend when we did our mailing for stockings for soldiers, which I really want. On everybody, again, to learn about, participate in, please, these guys, man, you just go to the site, look up the page, take a look at the videos of what these guys are going through and see where these guys are at, and see if you can't find it in your heart to, you know, throw together a little box, even if it's, you know, 20 bucks worth of stuff, and, you know, you ship it the cheapest way you can, and it gets there, and if it's not there by Christmas, who cares? They won't care. Uh, but these guys need to know that people like us care about them, so please get involved with that program. All right, moving on. Um, today I'm going to decide, i kind of decided what I would do. As i look at some current events stuff. We wouldn't get really analytical with any one thing. we will just kind of do it around the world. What's going on out there? What's happening? And how does it affect us as survivalists a little bit? Some of my commentary on some of these things. Kind of pull our head out of the sand for a little bit for our own personal world that we focus on preparations and, and just say, okay, well, what's the rest of the world doing and how does this impact us? Number one uh, that I want to talk about today. Uh, it just came out that the uh, Iraq presidential council And uh, U.S. negotiators, U.S. ambassadors, have agreed on a timeline for U.S. withdrawal from Iraq. And that 100% of U.S. forces will be withdrawn from Iraq by 2011. Uh, This has been going on for a very long time, back before the election, these negotiations started. Uh, This has been, you know, part of Bush's plan uh, from the beginning, was once things were to a certain point, to figure out exactly how to do an orderly withdrawal. So this is the Bush withdrawal from Iraq. This is exactly what I've said when people have asked me about Iraq. So we're going to be there in 20 years. No, we won't. No. We kind of wrap things up there. Uh, we went in with a surge. We knocked this shit out of some people. And uh, whether you were for the war or against the war, you can't deny that what we did was basically win the war. And the winner's not always right. So I'm not trying to make a political statement with that. That's just what happened. Here's the interesting part. This is what's going to happen now. This is what I've been saying from the very first time you listen to me talk about these global conflicts and these Obamites that think that uh, President-elect Obama is the savior and is going to save us all and is uh, going to be the great peacemaker. Um, He's going to get credit for this because right, by 2011, hell, 2011, nothing. By you know, mid 2009, when they're bringing out a first big wave of troops, they're going to be getting off the, in you know, saluting Obama, who's never worn the uniform, and that just bothers me. I know that the, there's no requirement to have served in the military for the president, but I'd almost like to have a constitutional amendment requiring at least some minimum level of military service. If you want to run to be commander-in-chief of the military, at least so you understand those guys in the, the boots that they wear. I, I don't care if you're a, a cook in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. At least you, you know... Understand, And I I don't think a civilian that's never served can fully understand. And I understand civilian control. Anyway, this guy's going to be standing on the tarmac. These troops are going to be coming off after doing their duty. They're going to give him the crispest, smartest salute you've ever seen in your life. They're going to shake his hand. They're going to respect his office. And they're going to respect his rank. And I think a lot of them probably won't be respecting him very much. Because they'll know. But he's going to get credit for it. The other side of the coin. Um, most of these guys are gonna go to Afghanistan. And that is going to be something that Obama should get credit slash blame for. Uh, But I think the crowd will continue to do what we've done for seven and a half years. Blame Bush. It's Bush's fault. Now, if you've listened to the show in the past, I don't have to say this, but some of you guys are new. So you might think that you've just tuned into online conservative talk radio. uh, Because in my view of Obama, I do not like President George Bush. I could not be happier with the fact that we will no longer have him as our president. But I also believe in blaming him for the mistakes he's made, not for the price of tea in frickin' China, the price of gas and everything else, and not giving him credit for the things that he's done right. And, you know, he ran the Iraq War like an idiot in the beginning. And he ran the Iraq War very, very well in the middle and the end. And we have to accept the fact that just because he was an idiot at one point didn't mean he didn't do a good job with this. So this is not shilling for Bush. But yeah, you're going to see the Afghan war escalate. We have tensions rising between Pakistan and India. That's going to give us an even bigger excuse to get involved with that. And look for somewhere around 2011 when we're finally out of Iraq for people to start calling Afghanistan the real second Vietnam. And. Uh, I don't think we'll be surprised when Bush gets blamed for that, too. I really don't. But that's that's what I see coming there. So keep an eye on, on those two parts of the world. Uh, keep an eye on Russia. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit today, too. As if that weren't enough with tensions, um, Israel... It's now once again threatening to bomb the crap out of the nation of Iran uh, because they believe that they're trying to build nuclear weapons. I don't know if Iran is or is not trying to build a nuclear weapon, but they probably are. Uh, You can debate whether or not you think it's right that Israel would do that, but you can't ignore the implications of what it means if they choose to. Um, Iran is a a huge military force, and uh, if Israel bombs them, there is a good chance uh, the, the Iranians will figure out some way to create a major invasion force to attack Israel and uh, I don't think Israel will be in a position to be able to use nuclear weapons if they want the support of the rest of the world during that invasion that could drag if they, you know, if they don't and it could drag the United States into war uh, that could become a major world global conflict uh, drawing even the Russians in uh, and of course we don't have a lot of friends down in Venezuela Uh Uh, who are now kind of ratcheting up their relationship with Russia, and uh, Russia and Venezuela, kind of just moving on through this whole tensions and military thing, just signed a uh, nuclear cooperation agreement. So while everything looks peaceful and we you know, think of the Cold War as what we went through in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and it's kind of over and dead, there's there's probably more danger out there than there has been in any time in history. There's a hell of a lot more people that have nuclear weapons. The Pakistanis have nuclear weapons. The Indians have have nuclear weapons. The Chinese have nuclear weapons. The friggin' French have nuclear weapons. You know, the Israelis have nuclear weapons. The Iranians are trying to make a nuclear weapon. The Koreans made kind of a crappy nuclear weapon, but they successfully detonated a nuclear weapon, which means they know how to do it now. Uh, North Koreans, that is. So, you know, just remember that military conflict is always a danger, and don't think we can't be attacked on our own soil. And just use that as some motivation. That doesn't mean to panic. That doesn't mean to freak out. It's not time to abandon modern survival philosophy and run out and get a bunker in the middle of nowhere and hide out with uh, 10 years' worth of MREs and and wait for the mushroom clouds to fly. It is, though, an important time to really keep an eye on what's going on around the world and understand the implications of potential conflicts. Not just, will we get bombed? Or will our sons and daughters die in battle? But if we don't, and if they don't, how will it still affect us? What major commodities come from those regions? Oil. Uh, in some cases, agricultural crops. In some cases, uh, agricultural crops are used to produce medications. So it's important just to keep an eye on what's out there. And uh, it's important for us to understand this, my friends. Very important. As we you know, do whatever involvement you have with your government officials, specifically your Congress critter who makes appropriations for spending our frickin' money, All right? That these types of things are why we should look at the fact that oil is probably about to go below $40 a barrel by the end of the month. That's the latest forecast, that it's going to crash that far down. And the gas is going to end up being as cheap as it was in the mid-90s. Don't let that take the eye off the ball that we need to continue working on the production of alternative and and renewable and green sources of energy. Now, if you've listened to the show in the past, again, you know, I don't give a flying crap about my carbon footprint, your carbon footprint, George Bush's carbon footprint, or fat-ass Al Gore's carbon footprint, who has the biggest one out of all of us. And I don't believe in buying carbon offsets, and I'm not trying to save the strife-tailed foofy flu in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. I am not an eco-freak. But I do know that as long as we're dependent on foreign government for our energy and our food, but we'll leave food out today, that we are vulnerable. And that there is no need for us to continue the belief that the only way we can get energy is by pumping it out of the ground. Now, I'm for pumping domestic oil. I'm for pumping domestic natural gas. Uh, I'm for all of these things. But I am also for being realistic about the fact that we really need to not be lulled back into a false sense of security uh, by cheap oil prices. Because I believe the cheap oil prices are there for a combination of reasons. Number one, the rest of the world that lives off our money right which includes the Russians the Venezuelans the Iranians the Iraqis right you quit you know the United Arab Emirates uh, Qatar all these nations Kuwait, they're scared shitless that we're serious this time, and that we're actually going to do something. And that we're actually going to put up windmills all across this country. They're going to put up solar power plants all across this country. They were really going to invest in tidal energy sources. They're actually going to start pumping the massive reserves of natural gas that we have. Uh, that we're going to get serious about building more nuclear plants. It even looks like uh, the same, yeah, Obama might be uh, open to, let's, let's maybe we do need to build some new nuclear plants since we haven't built one forever. And the rest of the world is running on nuclear power while we're stupid and we're burning oil for electricity like idiots. <laughs> so, uh... So that's that. That's all going on, and it's important to keep your eye on that. Here's something else to keep your eye on. This has been going around for a while. I thought I'd bring it up. Maybe some of you haven't heard about it. Um, <clears throat> they're preparing to make sure they permanently have in the United States 20,000 combat troops available for deployment within the United States. So these are going to guys are going to train, operate, and be ready to be deployed uh, if within our borders. So not going to be in foreign bases, which is that's not the big deal. Okay? That's not a big deal. I I mean, we have military people all over our country. We have military bases all over our country. We have, you know, infantry units all over this country. They train right here on domestic soil every day. But they train to be deployed internationally. The purpose of their unit is to go somewhere else to fight a war. At minimum, to go to our borders to fight off an invasion. They do not train right now to be deployed on our soil in the streets. That is the responsibility of the National Guard. And it falls under the leadership of the individual state governors. You guys who wanted to blame Bush when the National Guard didn't roll into New Orleans, you should have looked to the governor of freaking Louisiana. That's who's responsible for that. That's who has authority there. That's constitutional presidential deployment of active duty military forces in the United States that's a dangerous precedent it's something we should be concerned about. I don't want to go Alex Jones on you folks out there and be like oh they're going to come this is so they can round us all up and send us to FEMA death camps. No, I don't think that's what it's for. But I do think it's something we really have to pay attention to. And I think we need to pay attention to it for a variety of reasons. One it is circumvention of U.S. military law U.S. constitutional law all right, and U.S. federal law, that we're doing this. They're finding loopholes with which to do this. Excuses to do this. Blaming natural disasters and what can happen if there's a terrorist attack and other things. All right, As though the National Guard wasn't sufficient. As though the National Guard, our collective National Guard is more powerful than just about any military in the world, folks. Our National Guard could take out just about any other world military, believe it or not. They're not good enough for this job. We have to have 20,000 combat-trained active-duty troops ready for deployment in the United States. Two things. One, be wary, especially if you live in a dense population center, that uh, there could be some martial law declared and these guys could be used to enforce it. Two, I would be more concerned about the fact that our government now believes it's necessary than I would about what they're going to do if they get deployed. I think that our government's analyzing the same situation that we're analyzing and going, people might snap out. Maybe that Gerald Salenti guy that says there's going to be riots in our streets in 2009, tax revolts, tax rebellions, general strikes, protests... Food shortages, runs on financial institutions. Maybe he's right, and we may need to contain this shit. So I think it's just another reason to ratchet up your preps and continue to prepare to live the kind of life you want to live, even if everything goes to hell, because it might. See, can we find something a little cheerier to talk about? Actually, this sounds depressing to some people, but I find it very, very encouraging. Let's move over to St. Louis, Missouri. There's an alderman in St. Louis, and uh, I'd love to go to St. Louis and shake this guy's hand and maybe give him him one of my personal weapons as a reward for standing up and saying what needed to be said. Uh, Alderman Charles Quincy has told the people of St. Louis in his district, the cops are not taking care of you. They don't give a shit about you. Okay? At least you think this man is the kind of guy that, you know, is playing the, you know, the, the poor me card. No, no, no. Charles Quincy says, go get a gun. Arm yourself, citizen. Be prepared to strike back if criminals come to take away what you have. They break into your house, put a bullet in them. And let the cops come clean the body up. They'll show up for that. Charles Quincy, you get the Survival Podcast Salute of the Week. Maybe we'll try to continue to do that. Uh... I really would love to meet this guy. And I think he's making a hell of a point. And that's what I would tell the people in that area or any other crime-ridden place as well. And at least in Missouri, you can still legally uh, own a firearm. If you live somewhere you can legally own a firearm, discharge in your own home if it's invaded, people are getting invaded in your house, go get a gun. I'll add to that. Get some training on how to use it properly so you don't shoot your next-door neighbor or shoot your child when they come home late at night or your husband when he comes home late at night. But when a criminal breaks in your house, have him come in vertical and go out horizontal. That'll get law enforcement's attention. And uh, maybe they'll come out to protect the criminals by arresting them before you shoot them. So, again, Charles Quincy, you get our salute. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for meaning that. Thank you for backing something up with action simply. Mr. Quincy himself has armed himself. And uh, guys like that, middle of an urban, you know, kind of cesspool, make me proud to be an American. Good for you, man. Let's take a brief uh, jaunt over to the financial sectors and see what's going on over there. If you'll remember... Way, way back before all these bailouts started, before the first, you know, real banks fell other than Freddie and Fannie, I think Freddie and Fannie had fallen by the time I started naming names and saying, okay, here's the other banks to watch. Watch them drop. And I named them one after the other, after the other. And they went down like dominoes. I almost called the order. And if you doubt me, go listen to the shows. Go listen to the shows from August and September. And you'll, you'll hear me naming these banks, and you can look back and say, yeah, everyone, everyone on the list has fallen. The last one that went was the biggest one. It was the one that was really not deeply into the subprime mortgage mess. What I said about them is their crash will be bigger than all the rest, and it doesn't have anything to do with subprime. It's because they're idiots, and they are so leveraged into the toxic consumer debt world in credit cards, that they have to go. They have to fall. And uh, they've now sucked up of the $7 billion stimulus package of bailout, whatever they want to call rescue, right? They call it a rescue now because they figured out we don't like the word bailout. Right? I'm serious, right? Our Congress has decided to stop calling a bailout a bailout and start calling it a rescue because their freaking researchers told them that you and I get pissed off when we hear bailout. And they think you are so freaking stupid. They think you're so freaking stupid that if they call this crap they're going to do with the auto workers, which I'll get to in a minute, a rescue, you won't be pissed. Because a rescue sounds good. A bailout sounds bad. Um... Folks, I know America's been dumbed down by our education system. I know America's been dumbed down by our media. But I don't think we're that freaking stupid yet. I think that the average American knows that a rescue plan for a corporations is a bailout. And I don't think it's going to soften the blow and we're pissed. Anyway, back to Citibank. Citibank got $106 Alright? Remember, it was a $700 billion package. They got 106 of it. They didn't even collapse until after the bill passed, all right? And they didn't even collapse. They're just basically like, we're going to collapse if you don't give us the money. And they like, okay, here's $106 billion. Great. Yay, we got $106 billion. So <laughs> you and I just had our children's futures mortgaged to borrow money from the Fed to inflate the money supply, to cause inflation, to bail out these stupid jackasses that gave people with no incomes credit cards with $5,000, 10000 and $20,000 limits on them where they could go out and buy immaterial bullshit that could never be rep- repossessed that don't even have the underlying asset that you do when you make a mortgage that's bad. And we give them $106 freaking dollars to bail them out. What are they doing today? They're spending $10 billion of it. No, 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 no. I didn't say investing $10 billion of it. I didn't say saving $10 billion of it. I didn't say saving jobs with $10 billion of it. I said they're spending it. How are they spending it? They're buying a freaking toll road company. Right? A Spanish company that owns, controls toll roads throughout the world, including in the United States. Now... If you looked at that from the surface, you might go, you know what? This might be kind of smart. Because toll roads make money. And these idiots will invest this $10 billion, and they're going to make some money. And when they make that money, they'll be able to use it to pay back the $106 billion that they borrowed. This looks really cool. Yeah, well, the only problem is they're buying a toll road company that apparently can't run their operations right and can't make any freaking money. Now, if you can't make freaking money Collecting freaking tolls from people that drive on a road. You have to be an incompetent business, so incompetent that you make the CEOs of Ford Chrysler, General Motors... Morgan Stanley, Freddie and Fannie, and Goldman Sachs look like frickin' rocket scientists. How the hell you can screw up collecting money from people with a frickin' toll booth and most roads use a a toll tag like I have to bill my credit card every frickin' day just because I drive under a frickin' bridge? And you can't get that to work? You're an idiot. And your operations suck. And the last thing anybody should do is buy you. But no, 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 no. Citibank's buying these idiots. They're giving them $3.6 billion in cash to go away. Where's the $10 billion come from? They are $6.3 billion in debt. A toll road company, $6.3 billion in debt. Citibank just took $10 billion of our freaking money that we freaking gave them to bail them out to buy that. Now, this is why people might just snap. This is why Gerald Cilenti just might be right. How many more times are are the people of this country going to watch the arrogant misappropriation of public funding they freaking break. I think the average person is on the freaking edge of torches and pitchforks and going to Washington. I know I told you I thought that a bunch of guys with rifles going to Washington was dumb, and I do. I think you get killed. You get charged for treason. But I think a couple million people going to Washington and demanding... Did our Congress and our Senate bring their ass out in the street and step aside and calling for new elections? That's constitutional. I don't know what the results would be. I know one thing. They may not step down, but I bet you we'd get their friggin' attention. You know? Martin Luther King took a million people to Washington. Because one race of people was being oppressed by another. And that statement's true. If you lived through it, and I lived through the very tail end of it, you know it was true. And it made a difference. I think it's about time that we took five, six, seven, eight, ten million Americans to Washington. Said, hey, you're screwing our country up. We want it fixed. It might make a difference. It would get my attention. Frankly, it would scare the living shit out of me if I was sitting inside that Capitol building, passing laws for my own amusement, and all of a sudden I looked at and somebody said, Congressman Spirico, um, people are pissed. Well... They're always best. No, no. I, Mr. Spearco, please look out the window of your office. And you look out, and all you see is a sea of people that stretch from one end of the city to the other. Man, I would not be freaking happy, and I would not be freaking comfortable. And I I can almost guarantee, our US, if they send the U.S. military out there to clean that up, the military would be like, yeah, 10 million people. Our brothers and sisters, and they're they're not rioting or anything. They just want an answer. Yeah, okay probably see a whole bunch of military guys just standing in the crowd. Yeah, we kind of want some answers, too. I don't know. Could happen. Probably won't. Something to think about. Just my thoughts on it. But instead of a nice orderly march on Washington, you may see the riots. You may see people turning over cars of government officials. You may see people storming tax offices burning buildings to the ground. It can happen. I'm not advocating it. You know I'm not advocating I'm not for things like that. I think it would be very, very stupid. And it will give the government excuses to do horrific things. And they'll get backing from the average person to do horrific things that no one would ever give them permission to do because of that stupidity. But it could happen. That's why those twenty thousand guys are being prepared for things like that, because people are going to start looking at these other bailouts. They're not rescues; these other bailouts. And go, what are these people doing with our money? Right? What are they doing? They're buying toll roads. Now I drive to work. I pay a dollar forty-five a day, up and down the Dallas North Tollway. And now if they're getting it. They use my money to buy my toll road to charge me more money. And they're in debt, and I'm going to have to bail them out again because they're idiots and they can't even make that work? Yeah, that'll make people snap. You know, that was one thing Reagan understood. Reagan was pushed really hard to raise the gas tax. And he said, no, I don't care. No, way, I ain't doing that. And one of the guys that really pushed him for it was Lee Iacocco. He was a pretty smart guy from Chrysler. He said, Ronnie, I don't know why you don't do this. He said, Lee. That's why you sit on that side of the desk talking to me, and I sit on this side of the desk going in the country. And this is not made up. This is from Lee Iacocca's book, all right? Where have all the leaders gone? That's where I've got this information from. He told Lee, listen, if I raise gas taxes, every time that Americans fill up their tank, they'll remember that I'm the reason that they have to pay more. And I won't be able to get the things done in this country that I need to get done to make it run right. And Mr. Iacocca thinks that's a dumb thing. Actually, but Lee is for like jacking gas taxes through the roof. Well, I think that's because Lee's a businessman, and when you you know if you have a commodity that people will pay more for, you charge more for it. It's not how you run a country. Though. That's not how you. That's not how you be successful as a leader of a nation. Not when you're charging your own people a tax to give them services that they don't want. But that's what we're headed for. That's where we're going. And that's what Citibank just did with ten billion of your hundred and six billion. They bailed out a toll road company for the six point three billion dollars in debt that they racked up through their own incompetence. So what else is going on with credit card companies? This, my friends, is a warning sign. I want you to pay attention to this. Credit card companies right now across the world are cutting credit lines. What do I mean? Cutting cutting credit lines. I mean, you have a Mastercard, and you have a twenty thousand dollar credit limit on it. They're sending you a letter saying your credit line's been reduced from twenty thousand to five thousand, or to ten thousand, or to twelve thousand, whatever. They're cutting how much credit you can have. You might be thinking, well, this could be good. Are they cutting credit lines of people that are delinquent? No, they don't let people that are delinquent charge anyway. If you're delinquent, you try to use your credit card, get declined. So the only people whose credit lines you could actually cut are people paying their bills. So what this means is show MasterCard customer has his credit line cut even though he pays his bills on time all the time. Why? Because people are starting to use credit cards to buy groceries. That's why. I want to say that again. Because people are starting to use their credit cards to buy groceries. That shouldn't sit very well with you right now. That should make you a little bit concerned. And again, my show's positive. I don't want you to be depressed, but I want you to think about it. The fact that people are having to resort to that step. I'm going to pay 19% interest to Citibank, who's buying toll roads, so that I can feed my family for the next two weeks. And then when I run out of food, I'm going to go do it again. This is worse than buying a TV. If you buy a TV, you buy one TV and you have a TV for years. If you're buying food with your credit cards, you've reached the bottom of surviving in and where you are. And, God, I hate to be and I told you so, but if the people today that were using credit cards to buy food with had taken some simple preparation steps while times were good, before winter got here, and were storing food like we advocate. They wouldn't be doing that. Remember, you don't just store food, so if society breaks down... And there's riots in the streets and the blood is flowing and people are being rounded up and the dollar goes to zero and deflation kills everything and, you know, bubonic plague comes back and the meteor hits the earth and the whole world oh, it's all in flames! Oh, now I'll dig into my preps. Well, all that happened to be a good thing to have. But your order of disaster preparation starts with personal. And for these people that are using their credit cards to feed their family the shit for them has hit the fan. It's not a someday, it's not an if, it's not a maybe, it's not a when. It's now. Shit's hit the fan. I am now extending credit to buy groceries. And in response to credit card companies are looking at this going, yeah, this uh this whole toxic consumer debt problem we have Yeah, if we if we leave these credit lines in place the way they are, all these people that have twenty thousand dollars worth of credit and only have eleven $1, hundred dollars worth of debt because they were reasonable with the use of their credit cards that are just now starting to get to a point where they've exhausted savings. They've taken loans against retirement accounts and what have you. And now they're using Visa and MasterCard to buy stuff. And we've got old people that are going, let's see, uh, I'm 93. And uh, if I make it to 100, wow, I mean, I'd be lucky to do that. And, living on social security and uh you know it's not that much money and i got this big shiny credit card that i've had for 20 years and i have a huge credit limit because uh never really used it much and i can go out and buy stuff and pay a little on it pay a little on it and eventually i'll die and i don't care what are they going to do then i won't be here That type of mentality is starting to pervade our society. We're also getting into a point where people are thinking, I'll just take my credit card, and I'll go buy everything I want with it. Then I won't pay my bills. And when push comes to shove, I'll declare bankruptcy. That's freaking thievery, people. So if you're thinking about doing it, don't do it. Somebody just recommended it on the blog and backpedaled on it, so that's not what I was saying, but it's what he said. He may not have meant it, but it's what he said. I don't want that on my blog. I don't want that in my forum. That is not how a person with honor conducts themselves. But that's what's going on, and in response to it, the credit card companies are cutting credit lines. Friends, to me, this is the biggest warning signal you should have, you can see. We have two things right now that are huge warning signals to me. One is credit, credit card companies cutting credit lines on people that are paying their bills. Because right now, it's so hard to earn a return of investment. That doesn't make any sense. All right? Companies can't make money. Even companies with money can't make money. They can't make it in bonds. They can't make it in stocks. They can't make money. They can't get a return. They can't find somebody to borrow it. So the companies charging the highest interest rates with a fixed customer base, with a history of paying their bills on time, and you're cutting back what you allow them to spend. Bad news. Oil going to 40 bucks a barrel by the end of the month. There is no reason for oil to drop that far right now doesn't make any sense. There has to be a massive downturn globally. Even with the intentional flooding of the market by the Arabic countries that do not want to see the development of alternative energy sources, even with that, that's way too low. I've warned you about that before. When oil should go up and it goes down, that's bad. (laughs) And you throw this little little gem on top, pay attention. last thing I want to talk about today, UAW. United Auto Workers Union, and bullshit. Right now, Ford, and GM, and Chrysler are begging for $34 billion worth of taxpayer money. Yes, I did not misspell or misspeak. $34 billion. What happened to $25 billion? <laughs> they added $9 billion to it, because Ford wants $9 billion, right? <laughs> um, they're begging for money from us to save their companies. And as I've said, Ford GM and Chrysler need to go bankrupt. I didn't say they need to go away, but they need to declare bankruptcy so that they can renegotiate through a bankruptcy judge who will not be bound by politics with the United Auto Workers Union and stop doing things like paying people that have been laid off 95% of their freaking salary to sit on their ass and do nothing for up to two years. All right. So UAW has made "quote unquote" concessions to help GM, Chrysler, and Ford get the bill, get the bailouts. But remember, they're not bailouts or rescues, right? Because you're stupid, and that changes your opinion. Um, here's the, th- the thing: the UAW hasn't signed any contracts or any agreements. They have said they would be willing to if we get that shit in writing. Number two, the stuff they have conceded, they've conceded it in a temporary fashion. In other words, we would sacrifice this for two years or four years and then we expect it back. All right. So it's all bullshit. I believe the government's going to give these idiots our money again, another bailout. And uh, they're going to continue to destroy their own companies because they don't know how to run them competently, and they're saddled with debt. And I believe that UAW will immediately pull back on what they agreed to as soon as the money's approved. They'll give something, but they will never give as much as they've indicated that they would be willing to maybe give. Because that's why they indicated that they would maybe be willing to do that. All right, so there's kind of your trip around the world today. A little mix-up, a little bit of different stuff from the Survival Podcast. Tomorrow we'll do something again that's kind of practical, more practical, more down-to-earth, more what you could do. Uh, but I wanted to just pull up and take a look for a while around the world, see what's going on. Remind you why you're doing what you're doing. It's important. And if you still have your job and you still have income, and you haven't hit the, the problems that the rest of the country has, good for you. It means you're running your life the right way. But learn the lesson from the, from the, the grasshoppers that are freezing outside around you. Keep storing that food. You don't want to have to use that MasterCard to buy your groceries. This is the Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. You can scream, and you can holler. It really doesn't matter, cause it all gets spent.